the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Dearly beloved brethren, the scripture moveth us in sundry places to acknowledge and confess our manifold sins and wickedness, and that we should not dissemble nor cloak them before the face of Almighty God our Heavenly Father, but confess them with an humble, lowly, penitent and obedient heart, to the end that we may obtain forgiveness of the same by his infinite goodness and mercy. And although we ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before God, yet ought we most chiefly so to do, when we assemble and meet together to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at his hands, to set forth his most worthy praise, to hear his most holy word, and to ask those things which are requisite and necessary, as well for the body as the soul. Wherefore, I pray and beseech you, as many as are here present, to accompany me with a pure heart and a humble voice unto the throne of the heavenly grace, saying after me. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desireth not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may turn from his wickedness and live, and hath given power and commandment to declare and pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardoneth and absolveth all them that truly repent and unfeignedly believe his holy gospel. Wherefore, let us beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that those things may please him which we do at this present, and that the rest of our life hereafter may be pure and holy, so that at the last we may come to his eternal joy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever.
I will now sing Psalm 135.
Here beginneth the first verse of the twelfth chapter of the book of Genesis. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all the substance they, they had gathered, and the souls they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pinched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Here endeth the first lesson.
Here beginneth the first verse of the 11th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Here endeth the second lesson.
have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul, through Jesus Christ our Lord. and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all them that are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Saviour. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. beseech thee to bless our Sovereign Lady, Queen Elizabeth, and all who are set in authority under her, that they may order all things in wisdom, righteousness, and peace, to the honour of thy holy name and the good of thy church and people, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. God save our gracious Sovereign and all the members of the Royal Family, and most especially at this time, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Amen. Amen. Let us continue in prayer. O God, who in calling Abraham to go forth to a country which thou wouldst show him, didst promise that in him all the families of the earth should be blessed. Fulfill thy promise in us, we pray thee, giving us such faith in thee as thou shalt count unto us for righteousness, that in us and through us thy purpose may be fulfilled, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray especially at this time for our sister foundation, the Hospital of St. Bartholomew, for all who are laboring to halt the spread of the coronavirus and to heal those who are suffering from it. O Lord our God, by whose inspiration thy servant Rahir followed the example of thy beloved son and was obedient to thy commandments, bestow thy rich blessing upon this our Priory Church of St. Bartholomew the Great, and upon our sister foundation, St. Bartholomew's Hospital. May we in all things serve thee with a faith like unto his, and whether in proclaiming the gospel or ministering to the sick and dying, show forth thy mercy 
and thy love through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray to thee, O compassionate Lord, and ask thee to guard, to guard us in peril, to direct us in doubt, and to save us from falling into sin. From the evil that is around us and within us, graciously deliver us. Make the path of duty plain before us, and keep us in it even unto the end, even for the sake of thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen.
Most political sermons teach the congregation nothing except what newspapers are taken at the rectory. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. I am hesitant to ascribe to God any particular politics. Not only would that reveal, as C.S. Lewis so appetitely put it, little more than, what, than which papers are taken at the rectory, although I suspect the revelation would come as little surprise to the congregation, but it is, when all is said and done, an abuse of the pulpit. So when I say that God is a progressive in the scripture readings today, I am not meaning politically. But there is an onward thrust that we see building up in one of the earliest parts of the Bible and being magnified in one of the latest. Abraham and Sarah, the Bonnie and Clyde of the third millennium BC that my old and now regrettably late tutor used to put it, to whom God gave a glorious promise. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. A promise that they would never see fulfilled. A promise that they could not hope to see fulfilled. They planted a tree, to borrow the old adage, whose branches they would never sit under. But we are living under those branches as we say or sing every time we celebrate Evensong in the Magnificat, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed forever. And that is the promise being explored fully in Hebrews, which is really a sermon in the form of a letter that should be seen, really, as a Christian introduction to the Old Testament, a letter that loves and reveres the stories of the relationship between God and his people Israel, that sees them all as pointing firmly and surely towards that one moment, that one great event, the interruption of human history by the arrival of God himself in human form. A thrust that makes him look at the wonderful, ancient, incredibly well-known to his readers at the very least, story of Abraham and Sarah, and look at the promises he sees as having been fulfilled in Christ. And yet, he doesn't leave us there under the shade of that tree. Hebrews takes us further, points our eyes further into the future, sees Christ himself as planting a tree, to riff on that old adage, within each of us that none of us can expect to sit under in this life, but whose foliage we can expect to enjoy fully hereafter. This is the progressive God driving the narrative forward. Abraham and Sarah, seen for a thousand years as the parents of the people of Israel, suddenly reappraised as simultaneously the parents of the Christ, the son of the living God, and through him, of the whole world, of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, 
as we say. And then Christ, where the story does not stop, where the story cannot stop, who himself points us from the earthly city to the heavenly city. Abraham was the founder of an earthly country, but Christ has transformed that vision as all perspective. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. City of God, how broad and far, outspread thy walls sublime. The true thy chartered freemen are of every age and clime. That's the city Christ is pointing to. Beyond the tribes and the people of Israel, beyond the peoples and nations of today, a constant journey of history, roots spreading with every generation, the horizon coming closer as the trees grow broader and taller. That's what today's readings are about. The God who strides through history centuries at a time, but whose people are in it, and who, by faith, plant the tiny little seeds that grow over the centuries. The fruition they shall never see. That's the wonderful thing about standing in this church. You see the seeds sown so long ago by people with faith that others would sit under the bough, under the roof, beside the columns, next to the tomb, would take bread and wine at that altar and hear music from those stalls in normal time. I bet they didn't even think that they would be hearing music from the choir in the middle of the church now. It's what we are called to do too. Not just here, although as our minds turn to the 900th anniversary of this church, we too should turn our minds to what branches of ours people will be sitting under in 900 years' time. But we also need to look everywhere, to ask what are the seeds we should sow in the minds, say, of our children? What are the seeds sown among our friends, in our communities, in our country? What is God calling us to do in our generation? that may not be fully appreciated even by our grandchildren. Maybe God is both progressive and conservative, driving us ever forward but building on the works of our forebears and demanding that we in turn build that which will last. It's a calling to unite us, to cheer us, to remind us that even the darkest time will pass. For the foundation upon which all is built is, in fact, the God who tells us to plant, to build, to go, or to stay. In vain the surge's angry shock, in vain the drifting sand, unharmed upon the eternal rock, the eternal city.
Thank you for joining us this evening for this Evensong for the second Sunday of Lent. As you can just hear, we have heard the cries of so many people that hymns are missed. And therefore, we've decided to reintroduce a hymn for the first time at Evensong, I think, since almost a year ago. And we'll keep that going after the, um, after the sermon, if only because it, 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 it sort of allows me enough time to get back. And that means there isn't a sort of sudden jump from pulpit to here, which I suppose looks a little false, and indeed was. So hymns are back. And we don't know quite when everything's going to be back, when Evensong properly will be back in church as well as online. All things are in the hands of the government, if not of God at the moment. But um, hopefully at some point we shall have good news for you, and hopefully it will be before Easter. And I'm looking forward to all the exciting things that we can offer in person and online over Holy Week and Easter. But at the moment we can't be quite sure what that's going to be. So sort of watch this space. At the moment there is quite a lot online. Every um, Sunday at 1 o'clock British time there is a coffee by Zoom for about half an hour. You can find the details on, on the website, a, a little thing there, which enables you to meet up with all the people who might be here physically in the morning, watching in the morning, might be watching now with you in the UK or in the United States or in Australia or wherever. Uh, quite nice. It sort of bonds a whole load of different people together. Um, similarly, at 4.15 every Sunday, there's a Lexio Divina by Zoom, and I invite you to join us for that of calm, prayerful, meditative sort of prayer for a little period of time. There's also a Lent course that, um, well, it's not really a course in as much as it isn't people gathering and talking and all that. What it is is that each of the clergy has each week reflected on the gospel that you'd have heard at the Eucharist in the morning and then chosen artwork and music to explore that a little bit further. Last week it was Father Peter Delaney, this week it's Father Martin Freeman. So I invite you to have a look at that every Monday. So just as a little... Pause for reflection, about 20 minutes, um, that, that we can just, just have there and just take us slowly towards Lent. All of these things, online and in person, cannot happen without your support. And therefore, I invite you to support us by clicking on the links that are provided on Facebook and YouTube and on the website and to... Um, to make a donation, as you would if you were here physically back in the old days when collection plates went round. Because it's only by your support that our choir is able to sing and that we're able to stay up and that our ministry in the hospital and in the, the parish is able to continue. So I invite you to do that now during the postlude. First, I invite you to bow your heads for God's blessing. Christ give you grace to grow in holiness, to deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow him. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be upon you and remain with you this day and always. Amen. Amen.